0: This is the Hockey Podcast Network, your home for hockey talk on every team in the NHL.
1: Welcome to the tip of the iceberg, episode 87, otherwise known as our season one finale we are brought to you by the Hockey Podcast Network. Thank you to everybody for tuning in live on Facebook Live as well as on Periscope on Twitter. My name is Nick Berlansky, and as always, I am joined by Nicholas J. Horwath, also donning a Sidney Crosby jersey. Horwath, how's it going, buddy? Going well. I
0: have to remember we're live, so I have to not just doze off into my phone as I, <laughs> I will openly admit to doing sometimes when we're just recording me and you. Um, and also, since it is live and we cannot edit it out, if we hear my brother screaming directly above me, please <laughs> ignore it.
1: I feel like that's kind of turned into a, like one of our staples. <laughs> we have that in the background. Only the true fans know of Masing stomping at what I can only imagine is Fortnite upstairs. I'm
0: assuming it's still Fortnite if it's not Among Us. <laughs> um, it's one of those two games, usually. Anything more than that, I don't know. I don't think he plays COD anymore, so it all depends. Well, there you have it.
1: But thank you to everybody that is, like I said, tuning in live right now. And thank you to everybody that is tuning in on the podcast version of the Season 1 finale of The Tip of the Iceberg. Horwat, I mean, it's been 87 episodes, which is ironic that our final episode of Season 1 is on Episode 87. So, of course, we're going to talk about Sidney Crosby here in the first segment. As we did with Episode 66, we're going to do a deep dive, talk about basically our favorite moments of, of Sidney Crosby's career and talk a little bit about his last season and what we expect from him coming up in the 2020-21 season, whenever that may happen. But we ask everybody that is tuning in live, like I said, on Facebook and Twitter, drop us a comment. Let us know your favorite Sidney Crosby moment, and we might discuss it here on the podcast and throw your comments up on the podcast as well. So Horwat, before we get started, how have you been doing? How was your Thanksgiving? Good Thanksgiving. Uh, I didn't eat a whole ton, but that's okay. Things happen
0: uh i mean also it's not like we were able to have a bunch of people this year it was one of those laid back ones um and thanksgiving was very much uh thwarted by the ravens being uh stupid um i'm sure that's something we will discuss if not today uh definitely in our next episode i'm sure i'm sure there's things to talk about we have now that we have two episodes a week there'll be more time to talk about other things especially with no real news happening hockey wise so we'll see how all that goes, but I'm sure there'll be a lot of football talk coming up in the coming weeks because the Steelers are still 10-0, just like they were the last time we recorded. A lot of football news has happened, but also not happened since our last episode too.
1: Yeah, technically we haven't sat down and recorded for probably over a week at this point. So it, it's been a long time coming. Yeah, I've I've had my uh, shout out for over a week too now, so. Hey, well, we got to hold that in for season two, episode one, because that is when our next shout out and call out segment is. But let's get started on our first segment today. Of course, we said we're going to talk about Sidney Crosby, of course, the current captain of the Pittsburgh Penguins. Let me just read through his stat line real quick. So you might want to take it back, take a seat, relax no. a little bit, because this might take take a couple minutes. I mean, first of all, his his stat line itself, 984 games played, 462 goals, one thousand. 263 points of course and counting as who knows whenever his career is going to be done but all of those numbers sure to go up as soon as he touches the ice once again some more stats and some more accolades for Sidney crosby of course two-time art ross trophy winner eight-time nhl all-star two-time Hart trophy winner the 2009 2010 messier award winner for leadership three-time Lester B. Pearson Award winner, two-time Rocket Richard Trophy winner, two-time Conn Smythe winner, 2015 World Championship Gold Medalist, 2016 World Cup Gold Medalist, oh, and he was also the MVP of that World Cup, two-time Olympic Gold Medalist, and three-time Stanley Cup champion. I believe my work is done. I'm going to take a seat and just let you talk the rest of the episode because I'm out of breath. I would be too. Uh... (laughs) a <laughs> couple like just small things I forgot to mention they're captain of the
0: Canada team multiple times over game winning goals on for Canada multiple times over mm-hmm. Most, mostly one big one I should mention I guess the big one the biggest goal probably in Canadian hockey history Um, mm-hmm. and so many more things professionally I can only think of the national ones to add into that but yeah youngest captain in NHL history at one point the youngest captain the Penguins have ever had and you know, just phenomenal work in and out of his on and off the ice mostly um people won't forget the stuff he's done he's done on the ice but when it comes to off the ice stuff he, you, you can't run into anyone who has who has interacted with Sidney Crosby and not have them say he is one of the nicest human beings alive he is exactly what you would expect almost he's what you hear about him is true he's one of the nicest humans ever and will
1: make time for just about anyone There's a reason he has been the number one most marketable star in the NHL for 15 straight years.
0: Yeah, and because his house doesn't look like a uh, marble museum. Who, (laughs) you know, because everyone wants to draw the comparison between Crosby and McDavid, which I get. It's the the torch being passed, but Mm
2: -hmm. we also
0: don't know what the hell Crosby's house looks like. (laughs) He's that out of the radar that we don't know that, and... I feel
1: like there's still people that don't know that he's even in a relationship.
0: There's not. People definitely don't know that. Um, mm-hmm. It and I mean shit, don't know it's like we remember all the time. I forget all the time.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think the best thing before we jump into our favorite moments of Sidney Crosby's career so far, at least our favorite moments, and like I said, feel free to leave a comment underneath the link there and tell us your favorite moment of the Sidney Crosby era. But before we get into that, I think it's all really more interesting for Sidney Crosby, mainly because he's always been like that. Like I said, for 15 straight seasons, he has been the poster boy of off-ice conduct for the NHL. And that's been since he was 18, maybe even 17 before he was drafted. People were looking at this guy as the public relations gold standard for the for, for hockey, not even the NHL, for hockey as, as itself. He's been looked at as the gold standard For off-ice, for on-ice, for work in the training room, for work in the off-season. I mean, what else can you say about this guy? There's a reason all those accolades I read off, that list is that long for a reason. So as we move on here, we just definitely want to make sure that everybody knows the fact that this guy is once in a lifetime. So unfortunately, we're not going to get another one of him. Anytime soon, and even other than what Hockey Troll believes, yeah. we're not going to get another one of him anytime soon. And even more, unfortunately,
0: uh, his days in the NHL, while he still has many left, let's not forget that um, he's on the wrong side of thirty these days. So you really have to hang on to uh, every moment you have, and that goes for any player on any player anywhere when it comes to mm-hmm. hockey. Once you hit thirty, that's kind of the number where you really start looking at it because the average career length in the nhl isn't super high you know yeah you have all the guys that you remember playing for you know 10 15 yager's case 30 40 years <laughs> but uh, you got to remember all the little guys that have two game-long careers and that really brings the average down a lot so mm-hmm. you know once these stars like crosby like malkin like Latang, you know we'll, we'll go into say flurry or whenever it happens when, once mcdavid hits 30 you're gonna start looking at you know you got to watch out where they progress to what their, what the latter days of their career is going to look like and um if crosby is anyone whose latter days of his career are going to be just as stellar as you know the former he's one that can do it he's one that should be able to continue his outstanding momentum and skill and achievements and accolades far in far close to the end of his career possibly his last year so Things to look out for going future, going forward,
1: but uh, we're talking about moments that are behind us, I believe, so far, right? Yeah, that is the one thing we're going to get into now for a little bit here, is just talking about our favorite moments of the Sydney Crosby era, and, and like I said, of course, leave a comment if, if you have one that you want to chime in with, but I'm going to start out with one that it's pretty obvious, the one that I'm going for, and if if you need more of a clue, look at the jersey I'm wearing, and look at the picture that we're pulling up now One of my favorite moments of the Sidney Crosby era, 2008 Winter Classic, the very first Winter Classic since the NHL has brought it back. This moment is one of the most iconic moments in hockey, in present-day hockey. Since the 05 lockout, it is probably top 10, and that's pretty hard to do considering when people win the Stanley Cup, that is almost always lodged into our Stanley Cup playoffs those moments are lodged in as the top moments of the decade or, or what have you but this moment here in the very first outdoor winter classic of this entire before we got it overplayed before it was happening every single year three times a year back when it was just this the moment, winter
0: classic it was the only thing it, we had it was once a year
1: exactly and the way that it all was presented the penguins and the Buffalo Sabres, Sidney Crosby, only about four years into his career, which seems like an eternity ago, And a game that was really not the best game as itself. No. I mean, the weather was a huge factor. It was snowing. I mean, it was perfect, though, for the NHL in marketing reasons. But for the players on the ice and for people watching from home, yeah, it looked cool. But the game itself was not great. And yet it goes into a shootout, tied at one. This moment here, a young Sidney Crosby, pre his any Stanley Cups. As Doc Emmerich, congratulations on a great career. We already talked about him. But as Doc Emmerich said, the game on his stick right here. Goes in, beats Ryan Miller, who that became a trend in the next couple years. Scores that goal and ends the very first Winter Classic since the return of the winter classic still one of the top three winter classic moments arguably the best winter classic moment since that came back in 2008 and and really for it to be Sidney Crosby in those need I remind you as we talked with Tom Franklin last week about jerseys and about how it matters what else is worn with the jersey this whole combination that we're looking at right here perfect perfect that that is what you need to do when you want a good jersey but Sidney Crosby 2008 winter classic shootout goal nothing fancy no. But it got the job done, and it will always be a memory that Penguins fans remember forever. Yeah,
0: you mentioned it's a top three Winter Classic moment. I can't name another one. Maybe his—I mean, I could his concussion.
1: Oof, that duh. I yeah, mean, I guess that is a, a memorable one, I, but I yeah. wouldn't call it a top three moment.
0: I, it's it's top three most notable, at least. I, you know, yeah, it's something that you know what happened during a Winter Classic. But other than those two things, it's ironic that both of those involve Crosby right maybe it's because he's the most polarizing figure in hockey but I mean I can't name any others right now not without I'm sure you could say one and I'd be like oh yeah that happened." but it mm-hmm. there's only a handful that you really say like this definitively happened at a winter classic some of them you might even say oh that was a stadium series that's different and not as good but still the same thing when it comes to that game specifically I mean you you said that it was a not not a great game to play. Colby Armstrong scored 20 seconds in, and we thought, oh, we're about to have a shootout, aren't we? <laughs> no, in fact, the, I mean, we did have a shootout. Yeah, but not the kind <laughs> I'm thinking of. I mean, you know, Army 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 scored 20 seconds in. Cool, great. This is about to be a great game. Yeah, the Penguins didn't score again until basically that goal, and I think Buffalo scored early in the second period. I don't remember their goal at all either. Uh, I remember Ty Conklin was in net for us though, because Flurry was injured and that was our backup at the time. So uh, weird days for the penguins to say the least, Mm -hmm. but they got it done. That was one of the most iconic moments in recent memory in penguins and hockey history. More moments though, that I'm just trying to come up with a few off the top of my head. I alluded to the golden goal a little while ago, Mm -hmm. um, which is just unforgettable. His, obviously all three Stanley Cups winning two mice I want to go to one that isn't videotaped and it's only a story I can, rem- that has only ever been told on the and chicklets podcast. And that was in the, in the days when Mark, uh, when Crosby still lived with Mario, <laughs> you already know where I'm going with this. Yeah. Um, the two just got done playing a game together. Um, I don't know who the, who they played, but who cares? They, they, the Lemieux family talked Crosby into getting a dog, right? I believe that's who talked him into it. Someone said he has he, he should get a dog, so he did. Uh, apparently, he still has the dog to this day, which is cool. But, you know, he's living in Mario's house. It's this dog in Mario's house. You want to take care of it. You're an 18-year-old kid, though. You get home, and you you, you know the dog shit somewhere, right? You can tell. It's It, it hits you. And... I just imagine this, the look of fear on Crosby's face whenever he walks into the kitchen or wherever it was and he just sees Le Ménéfique, <laughs> hands and knees p- cleaning up the dog shit. It's an incredible story that I wish there was more detail to. Um, mm-hmm. But if anyone needs to, go find that episode of Spittin' Chicklets and listen to that whole interview. It's incredible. And some of the other you know great moments from Crosby just include that. There's all the amazing goals he has scored. Mm-hmm. I mean, do you remember the tear he went on whenever scoring a puck on the ice just didn't exist to him (laughs) yeah
1: all of the batted in goals that he did
0: there was the one against montreal where he stopped it first and still hit it uh the overtime one against new jersey where you know Mm. he hit hit it off the post first because he had to line it up for himself
1: on opening day of the mlb season at that too yeah
0: um and i think he had one against the devils or not the devil not the devils uh that was dallas i think
1: he had one against uh, yeah i believe that one was from behind the net so I mean, <laughs> yeah the batting goals Woo! it just keeps getting better a ridiculous a ridiculous thing that he has been doing and, and i do want to kind of concentrate on one specific moment and i know that you horrid are going to remember it and when i pull up the picture i want you to tell me if you know what game it's from i feel like it's obvious and, and anybody who's watching as well was probably yep, it. it's obvious what game is this from Horwald? that's his return game Mm-hmm. after missing over 60 games, which it doesn't sound like a whole lot, but whenever you miss the end of a season and the beginning of a next season, there was, there was an off-season in there, and he still missed over two months. Comes back, and this happens. Horwath, what are your recollections of this memory? Uh,
0: you, you say he missed 60 games. Shortly after this game, he went on to miss even more games, but we digress. Okay. Yeah. Um. This one, I I remember this night oddly very well. I don't know why. Mm. But I was home alone. We had just moved in. Maybe not just moved in. Maybe a little bit after to like the house we live in now here. Uh, but I remember my stepmom's father had just picked up Mason to go to a birthday party. And I can remember reading the lines for some reason. I think I forget who he played with, but he played with Dupuy as well. And I'm just thinking, all right, Sid's got a score here, right? Today at some point. I'm still home alone. I'm watching in the living room, which I never really do, but he scores that. And I just thought, yep, that that's exactly what, uh, how this Disney story of his career is written. <laughs> you know, he did it that day again. We mentioned, yeah, he got hurt again in a little bit, but we don't discuss that part. We'd look at this picture in that moment and know what kind of, you know, moment it meant for him and for the team and how electric it must've been in that
1: building. Yeah, and you mentioned the fact that he scored. Not only did he score this goal five minutes into the game against the Islanders, but he also scored three assists right after that. So, I mean, a four-point night. Now, again, it was against the New York Islanders in 2011. So, yes, not the greatest of opponents. who was also playing their backup goalie. But at the same time, to come back and to do that, and we saw it this past season when he missed time. He came back. And he did the same exact thing to the Minnesota Wild in 2020. So it's something that when he comes back, he is ready to go and he plays his heart out and he scores a really big goal. Now this year when he came back, it wasn't a huge goal. It was a great assist when he passed it to himself off the back of the net and then found Dom Simone, but it it wasn't an amazing goal such as this one, five minutes in backhand top shelf. It's one of the best moments of his career. And it's one that Penguins fans, you know, they are already accustomed to the return of Mario Lemieux, yeah. both from cancer treatment, from retirement, to come back and help the team. So the fact that Crosby was able to do this on that night, now it's a lot more prevalent than the one he did in 2020, but it, that night in 2011, when he returned from that injury that some people said he might not come back yeah. from. He might not come back from this concussion because they didn't know what it was. It was actually a brainstem injury. We don't need to get into the semantics of all of that. But the fact that he came back, not only to score, but to score in the way that he did with an absolute beautiful goal, great Sully. It's Mm -hmm. one of the iconic moments of Sidney Crosby's career. And as we continue this conversation, if you're tuned in live on Periscope, on Twitter, or on Facebook Live, please comment and tell us your favorite moments of the Sidney Crosby era that he has not performed, whether it be a good goal that you remember, a moment when you were at the game. Just leave us a comment and we'll discuss it. I I wanted to bring up one more particular moment. And you already touched on it. And both of us actually really touched on it before, but there's one moment that I think is the reason that he's going to be legendary outside of Pittsburgh besides for what he's done in the NHL. And that is the golden goal. We talked about that. And let me just pull up another picture really quickly. This picture right here says it all. He had the country on his back as the captain for the very first time in the Olympics in 2010 In Vancouver, there's stories that stem out from this game, as does from all massive sporting events. But him beating Ryan Miller, in the way that he did too, it wasn't anything fancy, similar to the Winter Classical we talked about earlier. Nothing fancy. Goes out there, gets the job done, sliding it through the five hole of Ryan Miller, who at the time, let's let's not lie, the fact that Ryan Miller is still in the NHL (laughs) is pretty impressive in its own right. But at the time, Ryan Miller was one of the premier goaltenders, in the NHL and in the world. So U.S. versus Canada, overtime, gold medal game. Crosby does what he is expected to do. It's so hard to live up to expectations. I can only imagine, I'm not even Canadian, and I know the expectations that the captain of the Canadian Olympic team probably has on his shoulders, especially in, in an Olympics in Vancouver. So the fact that he went out and did that, I think that cements him in Canada. That cements him in the United States, Yeah. but it cements him across the entire world as one of the most legendary and memorable players of all time so
0: quick note he wasn't captain of this team but he would eventually be wasn't he no he wasn't I think who was the captain of Niedermeyer well
1: well, Niedermeyer was on the ice at the time so yeah sorry about
0: that it's okay I mean I know he wasn't captain of that team it's very weird to say he wasn't a captain of a Canadian team but I think that team was like him a Ginla and a ton of veterans that was the deal with that team it was a
1: Le Cableye was on that. It team was a as bunch well, of guys sure.
0: who were nearing the end of their career, it seemed. Mm-hmm. But it's still good enough to beat a quick USA team. But um, yeah, he would go on to be captain for Team USA in the future. And we all knew he was going to be eventually. It's just this one was a very veteran team. But I forget where I was getting at. I made that note and I lost it. But <laughs> um, yeah, so he scored it. And we're from Pittsburgh, right? Yeah. You yeah it's we're team us we like we root for team usa yes but then we realized that it is our team's captain and our mm-hmm. best player our future of the squad at the time doing that pittsburghers were torn and always have been i mean the 10-year anniversary of this goal just just happened a few months ago and well a lot of months ago now but
1: yeah, february but yeah before all of
0: this happened <laughs> before this whole lockdown thing happened it seems like a year ago but we had just recently you know, he, the 10-year anniversary of that goal just happened and there are still discussions like as an american citizen and as an american hockey fan from pittsburgh how do you like honestly how do you feel about it pittsburgh fans are got got to be torn right because like, i was rooting for crosby as always I mean, I think at that point I was young enough to not really care if USA won or lost, because you kind of know your place when it comes to hockey at the Olympics or all are the, on these national stages. It's gonna be ruled by Canada, so you kind of have to accept it. And that and this seemed like one of those years where you really had to accept it. It, but obviously not as USA put up a great fight. It came down to Crosby ending it. So as a Pittsburgher. You're torn. It, there's no other way around it.
1: Yeah, and the weird thing about all of this was he scores that goal. And like you said, we're Pittsburghers. Yep. We, of course, would have loved to see the United States win the gold medal. For the first time since 1980. <laughs> exactly. But at the same time, there's that little bit of you that's like, well, if it had to happen. I can remember Better there being... him than who Jeff Carter or yeah. who else was on that. Canadian team that was all I mean honestly that Canadian team was ridiculously good Mm -hmm. and talented so but so was the American team but if it had to be somebody at least it was cross
0: it was so good that Martin Broder wasn't even the starter Mm -hmm. I mean (laughs) there were I can remember there being legitimate discussions of the first game back in Pittsburgh after the Olympics how was the crowd gonna react to that because it's yeah because and I guess they cheered for him because it's still an awesome moment for anyone to do Mm -hmm. I mean, let's imagine... I can't think of him... Like, let's say uh, James Van Riemsdyk, who played for the Flyers around that time. An American-born kid. What do we feel if he wins... <laughs> what do we say if a Flyer or a Capital... Like, what if Brooks orpic I don't know, score, somehow scored the game-winning goal for Team USA with, whenever he was with the I Capitals? I think the
1: entire arena would have imploded. I mean, it's
0: just one <laughs> of those moments where you you know what team he plays for in the NHL, but it's, that's why the Olympics are always very weird. You have your hometown, you know, the team you cheer for then the Olympics it's well, now it's your national team. And there's a lot of rivals in the same country as you, but I don't know where I'm going at with this really, but <laughs> it's just a lot of stuff to think about and discuss. And just knowing that, you know, as a Pittsburgher, as, as a, pittsburgh penguins fan a lot of us were torn on what happened there but we were happy for our for our kid at the time (laughs) for our player our star to really continue his legacy now that you know multiple olympics have passed we can look back at it as when we're running down his resume we can mention it like you did at the beginning Mm
1: -hmm. yeah and i think we'll be able to have this conversation in 2022 when hopefully jake gensel is part of team usa and hopefully sam poulan is part of Team Canada there, or, you know, in the World Junior Classic coming up, or World Junior Championships, I should say, coming up when Sam Poulin plays for Team Canada. But Horwat, what other moments come to mind when you think of Sidney Crosby's illustrious career? I mean, when it comes to you, is it is one of the Cups more important to Crosby's legacy than any of the other ones?
0: Is there one that's more important?
1: He was the youngest captain to win a Cup, correct? At the time, I believe, so I don't know if that still holds up or not.
0: It has to be. I mean, who's won it? Who's been captain since then? Jonathan Taves, Dustin Brown.
1: Yeah, no, Dustin Brown was old. Dustin so Brown, it, he's it would got uh, his... it would happen have to be Jonathan Taves if anybody. Yeah, I don't. I think Taves is just a
0: little bit older. But if that one's gonna be more important, or if, if there's a cup that's gonna be more important, it's that one. Uh, you could argue one of his Conn Smythe years, but mm-hmm. but you, you can't argue the '16 one because he probably shouldn't have won it.
1: Well, I mean. The thing with this is, like, we're looking at cups. Which Is there a cup that's more important? Now, obviously, all three are very important. And at the end of the day, this isn't too important of a conversation <laughs> because he has all three cups. But I'm just, there's from a standpoint, there's the factor of, yeah, the first one's the hardest to get. But also, there's a standpoint of, after the stuff that he went through, the way I see it, after the stuff that Sidney Crosby went through with the concussions, with people saying that he's not good anymore people saying that he's washed people saying that he passed the torch to Giroux. It, at this point what he went through that 2016 championship was him proving that he's still the best yeah and him proving that he can still do it A- and the best part about all of it is the fact that he went and did it again the next year and of course dylan one of our fantastic executive creators of the hockey podcast network says the golden goal baby yep. that's the greatest of his career which hey Can't argue with the Canadians. Yes, it is one of his greatest accomplishments ever. Uh, Thank you for chiming in there, Dylan. But if it comes down to Stanley Cups, I would say 2016, again, not the most important conversation to have because all three count just the same. He gets his name on there just the same. It's not like he gets underlined the second or third time or italicized the third time. But at the same time here, that 16 one had to mean so much for him.
0: Yeah. And, you can also make the argument that all three of them are just as important as the other because the first one, it's the first one. He's the youngest captain in, you know, NHL history to do it. It's his first one. Mm-hmm. He did it with a strange team. If you go back and look at that roster, it's very, it, it make it would make more sense if the 2008 team won than the 2009. Yeah. Um, but then 26. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but then 2016, you mentioned all, all the stuff he had to go through for his concussion, the. Torch being passed to Giroux, but then Dre, then McDavid got drafted. So then, then you're thinking, adding him into the equation. But he also won his first Con Smythe that year. All right, so he's got all that. That one's also fairly important. Then the next year, the first team to go back to back in 20 some years. Now you mm-hmm. have that. Now you have that little caveat in there. So they're all just as important as the other. Um, but what the great thing about Crosby is, it doesn't. You know, those cons mice don't mean that much to him. It's a team game he wants to win. I mean, have you seen his assists numbers? <laughs> Clearly he he's not yeah. worried about scoring all you know every goal in the world because what? One and a half Rocket Richards? I say a half because he sh- Yeah, not a half. He shared it with Samkos, that's why I said a half. Yeah.
1: Not, well, not I guess one and we but... forgot
0: forgot the other one, because we will always forget that one. I mean he won that one on his own, obviously. And then shared one with Stampco. So, I, yes, it's two. It is two, but one and a half, <laughs> give or take. But, you know, he's not worried about the Rockets. He's not worried about an Art Ross. He's also not worried about an MVP. You know, it's just about getting W's and getting rings, which I guess I could have said wins and championships, but uh, I wanted to have fun with it.
1: W's and <laughs> okay. rings. W's and rings, that's what they're called now, officially, from the tip of the iceberg. But uh, before we move on and talk about his last season and what we expect from him coming up this season, as we did with Lemieux on episode 66, well, not as we did with Lemieux, as we did with Gensel a couple of weeks ago, but one thing that I think you mentioned earlier is sometimes it's just on a regular day, like a random day he'll do something amazing. And there's one that sticks out for me, and you mentioned McDavid, and it is important because McDavid has kind of taken over the mantle as the premier athlete of the NHL. But there's one moment that sticks out for me, and it's this one. Uh, when McDavid didn't just take two
0: strides and you know, really play defense on this whole play. Yeah, well, he didn't do
1: that, but I'm not really You're not going after McDavid as much as I'm going to see how great yeah. Cindy Crosby was on this play. Kind of just trying to remind everybody, hey, this new kid's great. This new kid is going to be the face of the league. He's going to win numerous Art Ross trophies, going to win numerous Hart trophies. But this was him saying, hey, I'm still here, guys. Yeah. Like, can we not forget about Sidney Crosby? And now nobody was saying that people were, but he wanted to remind everybody, hey, I'm still the sheriff, and I'm the sheriff until I say so. So him just going through the entirety of the Edmonton Oilers in overtime of a random regular season game, I believe it was on a Tuesday. Yeah, like a Tuesday or Wednesday Any night. day exactly it was it was not even on hockey night in Canada and he goes through and does something like this just to prove listen I'm still here
0: yeah it's I, like I'm not gonna harp on McDavid anymore on it it is a play that still mm-hmm. gets replayed all the time to to this day I mean yeah it wasn't that long ago but you don't see Crosby score flashy goals that often you don't all the ones that you see of like the highlight real goals they're all from a long time ago when he was young
1: Most of them, yeah.
0: Yeah. There's not too many more. I mean, he's obviously we talked about his, you know, baseball swing goals in recent history, but (laughs) that's just showing he still has it. But Mm -hmm. we don't see too many flashy goals from him, and when they happen, you know about them because he's a very not quiet player, but he does the little things to such an extreme that it's incredible. Like what he did here, if, if, if the replay in my head remembers correctly it wasn't like the most outstanding between the legs over the head whatever kind of goal it was just through mm-hmm. three people and patience which is what Crosby you know is best known for is just being patient with the puck and mm-hmm. finding his move finding his lane and
1: exploiting the, z- the areas that he's given yeah and, and the the main point of me bringing this one up is is mainly just the fact that on a day that really didn't mean anything besides Crosby versus McDavid. Yeah, that was a huge marquee for the NHL. Always is. But it was a Tuesday night. It was on local television. like It was on local networks. Not on national yeah. networks. It was on local networks, at least in the United States. And it was a 5-5 overtime game. It was back and forth. It was not great hockey. It was just awful defense and awful goaltending on both parts. And then he just decides that he wants it to be over, and he goes out and ends it. So that's the kind of player Crosby is. It's whenever the lights shine brightest. They don't even have to be Stanley Cup playoffs. He can go out and do something just whenever there's a little bit of extra motivation. He does something like this. And and it means all the difference in the world for the Pittsburgh Penguins, and it's meant the entire difference in the world for the Pittsburgh Penguins for the 15 seasons that he's been here. Yeah, it was. I just pulled
0: out the game on Hockey Reference because I'm a nerd. It was the penguins went into the game at 4 1 and 2 it was early in the season too we're not even 10 games in the oilers are 3 3 and 1 and crosby opened and closed the game he scored the first goal i think mcdavid had one i thought he had two but he only had one hornquist had a pair there's a fun piece to that um yeah yeah oh it was assisted by jack johnson and uh derek brassard
1: Oh, uh, no it was not. I thought we swore to never say those names on this podcast. Uh, it, Honestly. I ruined that <laughs> but, whole
0: thing. But you know what? It's but yeah, just a random uh does it say the day? October twenty third, twenty eighteen. Just a random what felt like Tuesday or Wednesday night. I know it was at least a school night for us because we had to wait for nine PM for the game to start. Mm-hmm. Um Yeah. Just a random middle not even middle of the season early season matchup. As in, and as I continue reading the goal list, Drysaddle had a pair. That's right. I remember this game now because it was like the first game in how long that three Penguins had had two goals. It was like the
1: first time yeah. in a
0: long time. I think we talked about it on radio, actually. Yeah, back in that
1: dingy station at WPPJ. <laughs> yeah,
0: because as I scroll through, Crosby had two. I already said Hornquist had two. Jamie Alexiak mm. had two.
1: I missed the big rig. This is a wild game. Would, would have been nice to see him win the Stanley Cup this year, but, you know, Tampa Bay happens.
0: Yep. And then Dry Seidel had a pair, and Alex Chason had a pair.
1: Yeah. I think it was the first
0: time it, that, it, that a game had five people do it as well in a long time. Yeah. This was a wild game to look back at the, at the stat sheet for. Holy hell.
1: But A wild game and a wild finish yeah. at that. So Sidney Crosby, of course, we're going to continue talking about him here on episode 87, season one finale of The Tip of the Iceberg. But before we continue, just a huge thank you to really all of our guests and all of our listeners as well. Anybody who tuned in on the podcast version, anybody who has recently been tuning in on YouTube when we post our our videos of our interviews, we just want to thank everybody that has tuned in, everybody that's interacted with us on social media. It means a lot that you guys are here with us just having some fun, talking some Penguins hockey and everybody that's of course on this live stream as well. And all of our guests, as I mentioned earlier, just, it was so much fun talking to some of the people we talked to. I mean, and Doug Bodger, Jesse Marshall was, was really fun. Uh, for those of you listening to the podcast version, uh, we are going to have an interview with Matt Venzel of the Pittsburgh post-gazette coming up a little bit later. So there's something to look forward to. But like, I just wanted to mention Thank you to everybody that has has been with us and continues to hopefully be with us heading into season two.
0: Of course, and I echo all of that. And you mentioned some of the guests. I mean, we'll have, hopefully we'll have more guests to come. Obviously, we have Matt Venzell coming up. Um, yeah, you mentioned uh, you mentioned a few already. I won't go any further. Uh, are we taking a break? Is that what you're getting at? For the little. Uh, no,
1: we're not taking a quick break yet, but we are going to continue to talk. About Sidney Crosby, just for a little bit. Then then we'll take a quick break, Horwath. Don't worry. Uh, But we're going to talk about his last season and then our expectations for this upcoming season before we take that quick break. Last season, a weird season for everybody. Really, it, it was a strange season in the NHL as a whole. Crosby was not immune to that. 41 games played last year, only 16 goals scored. But he did end up with 47 points, so continuing to show that he is a point-per-game player no matter how many games he plays and no matter how many injuries he faces, he missed 28 games last year due to a core muscle injury that, of course, he had to have surgery and repair it. Prior to that, 17 points in 17 games. After that, he had way over a point per game before COVID shut the season down. So, Horat, how do you evaluate, and it's hard to, but how do you evaluate how Sidney Crosby played last season?
0: Uh, just, just exactly like the Sidney Crosby we would all expect to. I mean, over a point per game, even with an injury, even with the season shutting down, it's even with a hurt team around him. It's not something that you expect from a player that often. But you know, when it's Crosby and you know the kind of caliber he is, over a point per game is standard. But it's still damn impressive he's he's getting older he's been hurt over and over he got hurt again last season it's the team around him was injured everyone was counting the team out as this before the season so to be able to still carry the team into a top three spot and into the postseason then the shutdown happened so we didn't get into the playoffs because we sucked in that in that round but for him to still be able to do that is one of the more impressive things. And that's kind of what we expect going
1: forward as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. it It's strange and it's difficult to evaluate the way that he played last yeah. season, mainly because of everything you mentioned there. He he played injured to start the season because the core muscle injury was something that happened way before he aggravated it in that game against the Blackhawks. He plays injured. He still gets a point per game. He still looks like he's playing Pretty well misses all those games due to injury. The team flourishes without him, which is strange. But I mean, it's the Evgeny Malkin effect. We won't have to go into that. I think everybody that's tuned in knows what that is. And then the fact that he's really just comes back in his Sidney Crosby. We talked about the monster game he had against Minnesota whenever he returned to play, and then he just continued that. And yes, he did hit a slump somewhere there right before the shutdown. But the entire team, the entire team did. Yeah. So. It's something that it takes a while to recover from that core muscle injury. And hopefully whenever the season picks back up, whether that be in January, hopefully, or maybe even February, it depends on when the NHL decides that they're going to start ramping back up. Hopefully that he is 100% healed at that moment. And let's get into that right now. I mean, really quickly, expectations for next season. He has a new line mate in Kasperi Kapanen hopefully barring any injuries he's going to be able to play with Jake Gensel for a full season you would imagine those two are staple gun to each other again Horat what are your expectations for Sidney Crosby heading into what is 16th season in the NHL now
0: uh yeah 16 I finally pulled up his stats in front of me so I'm able to discuss them in better detail yeah he's never (laughs) gone a season at a point per game or worse he's always been over you know minutely over yeah but still it's something to really take note of even in his short 22 game seasons he came out of there with 37 points you know last season 41 47 points next season should be much of the same especially if everyone is able to be healthy granted we don't know how long the season's going to be so let's say it's 48 games well he played 41 last year and managed 47 points let's say he plays in all 48 um at that rate he's you know past 50 which another 50 point season you say you he, Sidney Crosby gives us a 50 point season your first instinct is to think yeah you just are you talking about that year there was only 48 games are you talking about one of his injury years yeah I mean like I said it's if it's a short season 50 points is going to be phenomenal for him so I would expect something around there if not more at least a point per game and I don't expect him to be a minus again. Last season was only the second time in his whole career he was a minus player. The only other time was his rookie season he was a minus one, so he may as well have not have been a minus that year.
1: Yeah, we always talk about how we don't really put much credence into the plus-minus statistics, so but probably not going to continue to put that in now. No, we're not, but for him to be always consistently over
0: in the, in the plus – that's something to be noted at least because there are some of the greatest players of all time that have minuses in their, in their numbers.
1: Yeah. That's, that's very true. But again, I, I just, I don't put much credence into plus minus, man. Never have never will. (laughs) That's right. You don't have, unless it's severe, it's yeah. Unless it's minus 55 and only like 35 games played, then it's pretty indicative of that. You should not be in the NHL, but something else that's kind of, you have to, keep an eye out for Sidney Crosby. Once the season does start, he's going to hit a thousand games. Oh yeah. I forgot about that. He is 16 games away from hitting the 1000 game mark. And what's even more ridiculous about that. Think of all the really, really amazing players that have played for the Pittsburgh Penguins. No player has ever played a thousand games in a Pittsburgh Penguins uniform. No, not even Mario old right. you. No player has ever played a thousand games all in a Pittsburgh Penguin uniform. Sidney Crosby will be the first to do that and he will do it this season. Unfortunately, that's probably not going to be in front of any fans, so that kind of gets taken away from him, but it's still going to be a remarkable moment nonetheless.
0: Yeah, he's already the team leader in games played for a career. Mm-hmm. Um, and Evgeny Malkin's actually uh, right behind Lemieux by about uh, seven or eight behind mm-hmm. him. So both of them will be the top two uh, most played, most games played in the Penguins uniform. Um, Once Crosby crushes 1,000, he'll be the first one in a Penguin uniform to do that. And honestly, it's really impressive because, you know, yeah, you look back at Lemieux's career and, yeah, he's multiple back surgeries, cancer, early retirement, a comeback. Still, you would at least assume he hit 1,000 in there, right? Because he played for so long. But, no, only 915 for Mario. Uh, but Crosby sitting at 984 he's only 16 away unless the season is only 10 games long um they play it they play just
1: one game a week they turn it into football oh geez yeah let's pray that doesn't happen but overall I mean my expectations for Crosby are just exactly what you laid out there he's been a point-of-game player his entire career I don't see that changing anytime soon yeah it's not going to and and it could be something a couple years down the line. It's an incredibly difficult thing to do in the NHL, but he has proven consistently that he is not slowing down. Maybe he's not scoring, as we mentioned earlier, he's not scoring the highlight real goals that he's he's been scoring earlier in his career, but he's proven, especially playing with guys like Jake Gensel, who is now getting close to being a point-per-game player in the past two seasons. He's playing with a guy like Kasperi Kapanen, who... Yes, he might not have as much finish, but his speed is going to open things up for Sidney Crosby. And if Kapanen's not the guy out there, it's going to be Jared McCann, who has one of the hardest shots on the Pittsburgh Penguins. Or it's going to be somebody like Brandon Tana, who's going to be a freaking wrecking ball, and he's going to open things up for Sidney Crosby. The point is, Sidney Crosby is still one of the top players in the league, one of the top five centers in the league, And he's still going to be close to a point a game, whether that's 48 games and 48 points, whether that's 60 or whether they somehow magically decide to make an 82 game season, which is not even close to happening, but he's going to get a point a game this year and he's going to hit that 1000 game mark this year. And it's going to be a good season for Sidney Crosby barring any injuries. He is 33 years old. It's something that you have to keep, you know, keep it aware of now, especially because he's getting older, but at the same time, it's been something we've had to worry about his entire career. He's going to go out there. He's going to be Sidney Crosby and he's going to put up hopefully at least 20 goals in a 40 goals in 40 game season.
0: Oh, I just got to hope for the best. I mean, yeah, he's injury prone, but
1: screw it. He can do it, man. <laughs> well, Horwat, anything else you want to say about Sidney Crosby next season before we take a quick break here?
0: Uh, I got nothing else other than uh, he's still the best in the world and fight me if you disagree
1: fight you if you disagree well all right we're going to take a quick break real quick and then we're going to close out this episode this season finale episode of the tip of the iceberg with our weekly pens poll stay tuned this episode of the tip of the iceberg is brought to you by manscaped the best in men's below the belt grooming offering precision engineered tools for your family jewels. Got a crazy bush? I may not be a contractor, but even I know that if you trim your hedges, your tree stands taller. This is why Manscaped has redesigned the electric trimmer. Millions of balls are about to be nick-free thanks to Manscaped's new and improved Lawnmower 3.0, featuring advanced skin-safe technology to keep your soldier polished and cut-free. If you're like me and like to handle this kind of business in the shower, the Lawnmower 3.0 is waterproof and features an LED light. so even even guys as blind as i am can see what they're doing if you are listening to me you are one of the first people to hear about this life-changing product and you too can experience it firsthand get 20 percent off and free shipping with the code thpn at manscaped.com again that's code thpn for 20 percent off and free shipping at manscaped.com trust me your balls will thank you
0: hockey fights lifestyle and tales from a first round draft bust We have it all and more on the Hockey Podcast Network, your home for boutique hockey content and podcasts covering every team in the NHL.
1: Welcome back to the Tip of the Iceberg Podcast, episode 87. That is right, episode Sidney Crosby. And right now we are being joined by the Penguins reporter for the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette, Matt Vensel. How's it going,
2: I'm doing well. How are you? Well, as well as you can be right now. How are you guys?
1: Well, we're doing pretty decently. I unfortunately just moved down to Washington, D.C. I guess fortunately, but unfortunately as far as uh, hockey opinions goes, but I'm doing pretty good, and and Horwath, I guess I won't speak on your behalf.
0: That's all right. I'm doing just as well. Uh, I didn't move, but I helped you move, so. But uh, yeah, we're doing as good as we can in times like this. Uh, We know in Pittsburgh, at least, I don't know what D.C. is like, but in Pittsburgh, things are not getting any better anytime soon, it seems.
1: Not for the coronavirus, but the weather's definitely
0: yep. a little bit better down here. <laughs> you kind of look
2: like Chad Ruweedle. You, you ever get that? Nick Horwat?
0: Huh. No, I do have hair. Chad in, div-
2: in disguise here.
1: Do I have to take the hat off and have my hair out? Oh, really? no, you have hair. <laughs> hey, it might be the haircut, because he did used to have hair about down to his uh, shoulders. Yeah. So, there you go. Ch- Horwath, just cut your That's hair good. in your Chad Ruweedle.
0: <laughs> I'll take it. I'll take it. I think I'm a little taller than he is, though. <laughs> hey, I'll take that as a compliment though. I like that.
2: Good guy.
1: <laughs> great guy, yeah. I think the first way we want to look at this is is kind of just looking at the overall offseason. When you take a look at the pens offseason moves, which one impacts the team the most? I mean, that could be either a positive or a negative, but which one impacts the team the
2: most? I think it's the Casperi capitan trade for sure. I mean, that's that's their biggest move, and that's you know that that could ultimately end up being the swing piece for this offseason. Um, if you look at the team on paper, you know I, I don't know that they've gotten significantly better unless Kapanen is the guy the Penguins hope he can become. Um, you know, for whatever reason, he wasn't a you know consistently a top line winger in Toronto, but they feel like he's a good fit. They plan to play him with Sidney Crosby and Jake Gensel, so we'll have opportunities and. You know he's tapped out, and I think his career high is like maybe 44 points. Um, the Penguins feel like maybe he can push towards 60 in the right situation. We'll see, but I, I think that's the big move um, that could make or break this team. And I think second to that would be Matt Murray, just because um, you know he has been very up and down the last couple of years, but um, you know goaltending is still a big time question mark.
0: And that makes a lot of sense. That Kesperic Happen is the answer to that because I think he's a player that is you know, very primed to have a breakout season because he wasn't able to have, I mean, he was he had success in Toronto, but it wasn't the kind of success we're expecting him to have. But would you agree with that? Like, is he a player that is primed to have a breakout season? If not, who else could it be?
2: Yeah, I think so. Um, you know, he's not going to get a better opportunity than this, I think, if they if they plan on keeping him with Crosby or, or maybe they'll flip-flop him and Russ throughout the season. But um, you know he's going to get opportunity. We'll see if he can get on the power play too. It's not an area where he's really been utilized in his NHL career. And then if you're looking for breakout guys, I'm looking at two potential third liners. Um, Jared McCann. He's arguably broken out already, and then he had that prolonged slump. I think if you just kind of zoom out and look at his entire body of work and production in Pittsburgh, you'd be like, hey, that looks pretty good. But um, the fact that he went 22 games or whatever it was without scoring definitely was surprising. Um, So we'll see if he can get back on track, especially if he's able to settle in. I think he's better off as a left winger in the NHL. I don't really see him as a center. So we'll see if that works. And then Teddy Bluger, you know, I've been a big fan of Teddy Bluger since I started covering the team a couple of years ago. You know, he's certainly a very good checking line center. It's just a question of what's his offensive peak. You know, we saw some flashes uh, when he came up two years ago, scored a few goals, some, some really nice goals you know, if he's able to become a guy who can be in that 30 to 40 point range, um, he already is essentially playing third line minutes already, um, you know, I think he's a guy that maybe still has some potential there, even though he's, I think, 25 years old. He's a hardworking guy, so we'll see if there's anything more there in the ceiling.
1: Two guys that you already mentioned here in, in the short time that we've had you on so far, Kasperi Kapanen and Jared McCann. To you, which player is more important? to the penguins success next season. And, and I know you mentioned McCann as that third line left winger, but is there a time that we could possibly see him flip-flop with Kasperi captain on the front line?
2: Yeah. You know, with that, then you might have to move Jake Ansel to his off wing and all that, but look, we're going to see shuffling. It's so fun. We, especially, you know, during this, this long, 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 long off season with a little bit of hockey in between. I mean, we've had so much time to think about line combinations and you know, all it could take is a, a few practices or a few games for everything to get kind of blown to smithereens. But yeah, they do have some flexibility. We have seen McCann have success playing up in the lineup, you know, later in the, the 2018-19 season, those three guys meeting Crosby, Gensel, and McCann did some awesome stuff. I, I was at the game in Montreal where that line just dominated those guys from the jump. So, you know, there's no question McCann's talent. I mean, he's fast. He's got probably the best wrist shot on the team. Um, so, yeah, certainly he's a guy that part of the appeal is that he can play up and down the lineup. He did a pretty good job as a second-line center. But I, I think the best thing for him, at least in the short term, is to allow him to settle into one spot. And I think that's what the Penguins, you know, plan to do with him playing left wing on the third line.
0: Aside from that, we I mean, we've also lost a couple names, most notably, at least for a good reason, it seems, you know, as the populace likes to think is that we lost Jack Johnson but we quickly, you know, signed Cody Cece after that. And obviously a lot of discussions have been made about that, but can this turn into a positive thing for the Penguins? And is he really as bad as what Toronto thought he was?
2: I, I think it's fair to have, have questions about the bottom of this team, whether that's the bottom pair and also the bottom six. I mean, that was coming in the offseason; That seemed like the focus for the Penguins and they certainly shuffled it. There's a lot of new faces, but, yeah, I don't know if they've gotten any better. I mean, chemistry is a big thing. We'll see if maybe some guys can find a a groove, but yeah, you can't just look at the the bottom of the roster and be like, okay, they certainly improved this. And, you know, you would think moving on from Jack Johnson would help. Um, You know, I don't think he's the worst player in the world. I don't think he had the worst contract in the world, Um, but he was a weak link. He hurt them in the playoffs. And, you know, I think it was right for the Penguins to move on, but we'll see if they're any, any better. I mean, you, you, you know, Cody Cece is going to compete with Chad Ruittle, your doppelganger, to see if uh, you know, he's gonna be the bottom pair guy. I'm sure we'll see both of these guys a fair amount, especially with injuries. But Mike Matheson, too. You know, he's a big question mark. He's got a worse contract probably than Jack Johnson did. So this this offseason has been an interesting one. I mean, I think, you know, you certainly see what the Penguins were trying to do, but a lot of it just seems kind of like shuffling deck chairs on not the Titanic, but you know, just kind of rearranging things. I don't know if they've made sweeping renovations that make you think that this team's going to be all that much better, but we'll see. I mean, Mike Matheson certainly is a good skater. He fits how they want to play. Um, and, you know, maybe they'll be able to iron out the wrinkles in his game like they have with Justin Schultz, but there's been plenty of guys too where they said, hey, we're going to do the same thing here like we did with Schultz and it didn't work out.
1: I mean, with all of these changes that we've we've talked about and of course the addition of Jankowski and Sevier that that we also have have to bring up, Is this team better now, at least on paper, because we haven't seen them touch the ice yet, but is this team better on paper now than they were when they left the bubble back in August?
2: I don't think you can say that they're much better if they're better at all. Um, And that's why I think like Kapanen's the swing piece. I mean, if he's as good as the Penguins hope he can be, then everything I think looks a lot differently. I mean, I think he's a fine player. I think the Penguins, you know, gave up a little bit too much to get him especially considering the opportunity cost of, of pouncing on him instead of waiting to see what they could potentially get for that 15th pick, but he's here now. I do think he's a good schematic fit. I just don't know how much offensive punch he has, but if he is a guy who can come in and, and you know, maybe do some stuff on the power play um, and, you know, maybe Jankowski proves to be a real good bargain, um, you know, and then you're also assuming that John Marino is going to keep progressing. Yeah. I, I think there's a chance this team will be better. Um, but, you know, just looking at what they've done, I, I don't sit there and say, yeah, th- this team is markedly better. I, I think the same question marks they came in to the offseason, I think many of them still remain.
0: And, you know, going forward, what prospects do you expect to find their way into the NHL the soonest? I know guys like Pio Joseph is on the doorstep, but is a guy like Sam Poulin ready to make the leap into the NHL this year?
2: Yeah, so f- three guys really come to mind. Um it's Poolin, it's P.O. Joseph, and it's also Drew O'Connor. But you do wonder how much the pandemic is going to affect the Penguins plans. I, I wrote about that earlier this week for the Post Gazette, just about, you know, Drew O'Connor is a guy that they signed him from Dartmouth. He expected to go to Wilkesbury late last year, get some experience, and maybe compete for a job in camp. And then everything's been wiped out. Now he's playing overseas in Norway. Um, So we'll see about that. P.O. Joseph, I think, is one guy the Penguins aren't super worried about. They brought him up to the bubble in part because they wanted him to get that experience. You know, when I saw him in the few practices we were able to see before they went up there, he, he didn't look like a guy that was ready to play in the playoffs, and he didn't. But I think he's certainly a guy who will have a chance to get in the lineup at some point. Um, And certainly if there's injuries, he might be the first guy they call up. And then Poulin, I think, is a real question mark because right now he's with Team Canada for the World Junior Championship tryouts. Um, He had been playing in the queue. I don't know if the fact that he wasn't able, you know, that the schedule has been disrupted. I don't know if they're just going to kind of say, okay, you just go and play in the queue and don't worry about coming to training camp. And maybe he's a guy we see at the end of the year. I mean, I think he's one guy that maybe the pandemic might have affected things where he might not get a, a fair chance to to start the year in Pittsburgh. But they like him a lot. You know, for a 19 year old, he's really well built. Um, he's a physical player. He's got some speed. He's got a pretty good shot. Um, you know, so if he shows a little bit more growth, I mean, at the very least, I think we'll see him in Pittsburgh uh, at the start of the next season. 21, 22, I guess it would be.
1: So I think the big thing for Poulain that you mentioned there is the fact that his schedule's kind of been off the wall, starting in the queue, playing a couple games there before going to the Canadian training camp right now. Is there kind of a schedule that has kind of come up, as in like a start date possibly for the NHL at all, at least for training camp when these guys are expected to come back into the city of Pittsburgh, for at least the main guys, is there any like rumblings of players starting to come back to the city? or is it just right now waiting and seeing what the NHL and the NHLPA are gonna be able to do in the boardroom?
2: Yeah, as of now, the NHL still says it's targeting January 1st. As you alluded to, they've got some financial issues to iron out that could pose problems for that. And also with the rise of COVID again, um, you know, throughout North America, I, I can't help but wonder if that's gonna postpone things again. Um, but you know i'm sure players are back in town they are allowed to skate i believe at the practice facility it's not something the penguins um, would necessarily advertise that they're out there but they, you know I, I think guys are gearing up to play whether they're here or back home and yeah i mean if they can kind of figure out these the financial hurdles you know we could be talking about training camp here you know before the start of christmas and as that relates to pooling yeah i, I think the Penguins are going to look at his long-term development, too. I mean, they, they probably feel like he certainly could compete for a roster spot, but, you know, at this point, he's probably better served staying with Team Canada. Maybe he makes that team, gets an opportunity to play in that tournament, that let him just play out the year in the queue. Because, I mean, let's face it, if they brought him here, um, they probably don't want him to sit around. They want to make sure he can he can play, and they do have a lot of depth that they've added at the bottom of the lineup. So, They're going to have to balance whether he could help them in the short term and what's best for his long-term development. And I suspect, you know, they'll probably just err on what's best for him. And that might be just waiting and seeing, uh, letting him play out the year. And then we'll see where things stand uh, in the spring.
1: And part of the thing that the NHL and the NHLPA are currently discussing is, what the season would look like next year. And a lot has come out about, well, it's probably going to be a shortened season. They don't know if they're going to be 48, if they're going to be 60 games. But in your opinion, would a shortened season help or hurt the Penguins, especially considering their tendency under Mike Sullivan to be able to get off to a slower start before ramping it up in the second and third months?
2: Yeah, I was actually thinking about that topic yesterday. You know, I think you go two ways. I mean, I think one, the fact that it's, Um, a shorter season assuming it's not too condensed in terms of a lot of back-to-backs and stuff I think that could help the Penguins because they're a veteran team and their their core players are older but on the flip side yeah it gives them less of a margin for error to get into the playoffs if they got off to a slow start and let's face it I mean it looks like the Eastern Conference is going to be tougher this upcoming season Um, you know I would if I had to project the playoff teams, I I would certainly think the penguins would be in the playoffs, but um, you know, I don't think they're at the point where they're a a lock anymore with some of their guys nearing 35. I think injuries could potentially cause problems in a shorter season. And then we'll see about realignment too. You know, there's been some chatter they could go to five divisions. So I guess that would mean there, there were no conferences and maybe it's just like the top 16 teams make it into, but the point remains. Yeah. I think uh, you know, there's less of a margin for error for the penguins um, but if they get into into playoffs i think it could be good for them because it might mean their their uh their big guns are a little bit fresher
0: so you just mentioned the possible realignments um we did an interview with tom franklin who is also on the uh, hockey podcast network just recently and while we were doing it something came out from espn of the room of another new rumored realignment um that splits up the penguins from the capitals and flyers have you seen that and what are your thoughts on that what's the legitimacy of that possibly happening
2: yeah that would be strange yeah I, I i don't know why they would necessarily you know prefer five divisions over four um you know i don't know what the thought process is there i'm sure they, they've got a good explanation if that's the way they go but i don't know if that will come to be I, it does look like the canadian thing is going to happen because they have all the logistical issues with the border but yeah, it'd be really strange to see the Penguins in a division with what, like Nashville and mm-hmm. Florida?
0: Chicago was involved in it and Detroit again, so it's it looked weird.
2: But, I mean, if that's the case in the teams you mentioned, I mean, I certainly think that that would be a lot better for them in terms of the caliber of opponents that they're playing as opposed to the Metro, which I think is going to be one of the deepest divisions in hockey this year. So we'll see how it shakes out. With all this stuff, I kind of like – I'm just going to wait and see what officially comes out because mm. it's fun to think about stuff, but I'm not going to react too much to one or another until it's official because, you know, even looking back at the, the previous return to play before the bubble, I mean, there was so much stuff that they were talking about and people would kind of hear that they talked about one thing and they'd be like, Oh, well, they're talking about this one thing, but it's one of many, many things they're talking about. But I do expect one way or another to see some sort of temporary realignment and we'll just see where the penguins fall
0: you know realignment is a big thing because i we brought that up to tom because he covers the blues and that was one of the teams in this weird division but um jumping far way into the future times that we don't want to think about because it's post crosby era is the penguins next captain currently on this roster because i mean is it someone that is currently here is it someone we pick up along the way that um takes crosby's mantle
2: Wow, that's a tough question. <laughs> because if you look at that one, so if you're assuming Crosby's not here, I'm going to assume that means no Latang, no Malkin. Yeah, that's also um, the last piece too. Any it, yeah. of those guys. I mean, when you look at the second tier of their leaders, I know Patrick Hornquist was one last year. He got to wear the A when there were some injuries. I think Jack Johnson might've got to wear A too. I mean, yep. that's one thing they cited about him is, is leadership. I mean, um, say what you want about him as a player, but I know that like without... Unsolicited, John Marino mentioned Jack as a guy who helped them. I mean, look, Jack's been through a lot in his career. Um, He was a top three pick who didn't get panned out. He got traded before he played in a game. I know he had the financial issues, um, you know, a while back. So, I mean, certainly he's got a lot of experience for for players to lean on. But anyways, moving on, um, you know, I think Brian Rust is maybe a guy. I don't know if he would be the captain, but he's an emerging leader. Tanev stepped right into but yeah, I don't know if, uh, or, or Dumoulin, Dumoulin would be a candidate too, I guess. But yeah, I don't know if I can just say like this guy is definitely on the roster because there certainly does feel to be like a hierarchy where you have those those big three who are kind of the tone setters, even if they're not super vocal leaders, and then maybe everyone just kind of falls in line behind them.
0: It's funny because whenever we have this discussion, the first answer is almost always Jake Gensel. You didn't bring his name up at all, which is... I'm not saying it's a bad thing, but what are your thoughts on possibly Jake Gensel being the future captain of this team if he's still around even?
2: Yeah, I mean, if you look at caliber of a player, sure, maybe that's something he grows into. I don't know that if Jake's the most vocal guy, that the most natural leader in that regard, but he's still pretty young and he could potentially grow into that role over time. I mean, I think that's part of what happens. I mean, you, you get into big games, you get into big experience. Um, certainly, it helps you to be a leader when you're a really good player you know, I don't know if he st- screams out to me as like, this guy's going to be a captain, but certainly you could see him being an alternate at some point for sure.
0: That makes the most sense, I think too. But now just because it's currently what's been happening in the world with uh, hockey, um, you put a Twitter poll up recently on fans reactions to the new reverse retro Jersey and meh came out as the, as the winner hero. Do you have, what are your honest thoughts on it? Cause we, I didn't find anything of what you thought of it at least.
2: Yeah, I kept it to myself. But yeah, I'm probably on uh, team yuck. I, I just, <laughs> I get, I get people like alternate jerseys. Um, and it's a stream of revenue for a league that is going to all the revenue we can get right now. But I, I just I didn't really get the concept of the reverse retro. I think there's probably like six of the 31 teams that I liked in the penguins were one of them. I mean, my thought is, is like, just go with the old school jerseys that are already awesome. You know, like the 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 same jersey with black, the diagonal Pittsburgh that was Snoop Dogg wore in the Gin and Juice video. I mean, yep. Snoop Dogg wore the jersey in a famous music video. That's an awesome, yeah. iconic jersey. Why not just bring that back? Um, so that's what I didn't get. Um, you know, it just kind of – it wasn't like the Penguins jersey was, like, hideous or anything. I mean, there was a few jerseys in there that, that, that truly were hideous, but <laughs> – it just kind of was like bland and it was like well why don't we just bring back like look it's right behind you yeah i I see it yeah i mean the players you know i don't know if they were just being company men but you know their feedback with emojis and stuff on twitter made it seem like they were on board but i would have just liked to see them go back to that or the or the the original third jersey from 95 96 with the gray stripes something like that that's already you know i don't want to throw the word classic around but You know, something you already know that is a a really nice jersey. I just bring those back, you know.
1: You're listening to The Tip of the Iceberg, episode 87. We're joined right now by Matt Venzel of the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. Matt, I have one more question for you before we let you go. And it kind of tails away from the Pittsburgh Penguins slightly. Uh, One guy that you covered last year that was on the Pittsburgh Penguins is going to be starting on his fourth team in just three years, and that's Dominic Cahoon. Uh, Any insight as to why a player that seems like He has all the tools in the world to be a good player in this league, has been bouncing around so much in his young career.
2: I do find it to be interesting. I mean, Mm. I'm not at the camp that he was like some great player that you just like absolutely had to hang on to. But I mean, look, he had a really good rookie year. Um, He produced in Chicago. He kind of started slow here. A lot of it for off the ice stuff. I mean, he had a really hard time just adjusting to you know, trying to find a car here, trying to get an apartment here, mm-hmm. um, you know, some of the stuff that people don't think about when it comes to to players switching teams, especially someone from a, a foreign country. I mean, he just it took him a while to get comfortable with his surroundings. And I think once he did it worked. But yeah, the fact that Buffalo moved on from him was certainly surprising because they're a young team. Um you know, so yeah, I don't think it has anything to do with like his character or personality, like he's not like a bad guy or anything behind the scenes. I, I just think this is one of the cases of a player where teams don't think his play necessarily matches his production. But I, I will say, Buffalo moving on from a re- from him was a real head scratcher, because at least from the Penguin standpoint, I don't necessarily agree with it. But they were kind of thinking when now we want to bring Connor Sherry back. Um, <laughs> you know and get a little bit of depth with rodriguez so but from buffalo i mean he seems like the kind of guy that they would want to keep around i mean a young team give him more than like a 20 game sample to show what he can do i guess it was only like eight games or 10 games so i don't have a good answer for you it certainly is puzzling
1: yeah now he's going to be a depth piece on the edmonton oilers so them actually going out and trying to get some some depth scoring as well but matt Thank you again so much for joining us on the show. Of course, episode 87 reserved for you, buddy. And uh, before we let you go, uh, just let the listeners know where they can find you on social media and anything coming up for you at the Post-Gazette.
2: Sure. Yeah, you can uh, you can find me at postgazette.com. Um, at Matt Vensel on Twitter is my Twitter handle. It's real simple. And yeah, I don't really have anything else working on right now other than just uh, getting ready to eat some turkey. I'm going to be cooped up in the house with my wife and my two kids for the next like two, three, four, five, six weeks. So, uh, But we will have some stuff coming out. I know my colleague Mike DeFabo has some really cool stuff that you're going to want to check out next week. So certainly uh, visit postgazette.com and we'll have some good stuff for you here in the coming days, even if I'm not the one writing it. Sounds good, man. Once again, thank you for coming and joining us. Thanks for having me.
1: I wanted to tell you about an amazing graphic designer named Kyle Courtright. Kyle runs Courtright Design, an award-winning branding company. He is the real deal and has worked with brands like Toyota, the Detroit Lions, Jacksonville Jaguars, and even Olympic organizations. Kyle will carefully design and style your brand to be timeless and unforgettable in the world through design services like logo design, website, marketing design, and much more. He will bring your brand to life in ways that will stir emotion and win the hearts and minds of your audience while fueling business success. So be sure to reach out to Kyle today for a 100% free branding discovery consultation. All you have to do is inquire through his website at courtrightdesign.com and you'll be all set.
2: Listen to the Islanders never say die podcast. Your one-stop shop for Islanders news analysis and opinions. Featuring the biggest personalities in sports podcasting, TJ and the Grumpy Old Man.
1: That's right, TJ. If you want your opinions viewed through orange and blue colored glasses from an Islander Bobo and charter member of the Inlouie Trust crowd, you'll love the measured commentary from TJ. On the other hand, if you want the unvarnished truth of a hockey purist, a genius, a legend, and an all-around great guy, the Grumpy Old Man's insane ramblings will be just what you need to survive each and every week.
2: An
0: all-around great guy. Well, we also have weekly installments of Stump the Grump, an absolute fan favorite. Make sure to participate in our live streams and listen every Monday and Thursday to the bi-weekly podcast. You can find the Islanders Never Say Die podcast on the Hockey Podcast Network.
1: Welcome back to the tip of the iceberg, episode 87, the season one finale here for us at the tip of the iceberg. Of course, the season two premiere coming out this Thursday, December, I believe the 3rd. That is, that will come out on podcast form anywhere you get your podcast from. We do have our pens poll before we call it a day today. But before we do that, I do want to give one more thank you to the Hockey Podcast Network, to Dylan and to Isha for bringing us on in the first place a little over a year ago, and to everybody on the Hockey Podcast Network. It is a great community of hosts. I urge anybody listening right now, to go and check out some other podcast on the network, whether that be another show podcast or whether it be, or excuse me, another team podcast. We have 31 specific team podcasts or go out and give a listen to one of our specialty podcasts, Brad Lieb, of course, who was on the show a couple of weeks ago, his newest podcast, the life after hockey is live. So go check all of those things out. And again, thank you to the hockey podcast network.
0: Yeah. Great. It's been a great ride being on and, yeah, go listen to more shows from us. I know I have a couple friends who like other hockey teams. I always try and suggest um, those shows to them to just grow this, to grow the network. And uh, one of my favorites outside of the outside of ours is the Bard Out Breakdown podcast. I'm sure I've mentioned them a thousand times. <laughs> um, I just bought their merch, actually. There you go. So um, listen to them if you like uh, punk music or any kind of music, really. And hockey. It's a great combination of the podcasts. And they just had on uh well I forget his first name, Stephen Patrick, who, if that last name sounds familiar, <laughs> uh it's Craig Patrick's cousin, I believe. I forget the exact lineage, but it is explained in the in that episode. So if you go find that, um, give it a listen. But he is Dick Patrick's son, who is the Capitals GM. I had to remember the position, but he works at the Capitals, and so he's a Capitals fan. So yeah, they discuss Washington, but mm-hmm. it is a very cool story to hear him discuss his family's history. Um, yeah. So if you have the time, it's a great episode to go listen
1: to, uh, and his band actually makes some good music too. <laughs> yeah. Well, go check out the Bar Down Breakdown. But before we close out this episode, we're going to do our weekly Pens poll. We'll bring it up on the screen here for everybody tuning in live on Facebook and on Twitter. Thank you again for tuning in if you're with us right now. But our Penn's poll this week was in a potential look at division realignment the NHL had the Pens separated from Washington, Philadelphia and the New York Rangers in what is now called the Central Division or possibly called the Central Division as this is not verified yet. Would this bother you? 52 we'll round up 52% of our listeners say no. It doesn't bother them. 48.5% say yes, it, it would bother them if this were to happen. And, and anybody who is listening currently live on Facebook or on Twitter, let us know what you think. Does this part currently bother you and why not? Horwat, do you care about this at all? Uh, I do <laughs> because,
0: I mean, when this uh, division lineup came out, when Greg Wyshynski tweeted it out, we were in the middle of uh, doing our interview with Tom Franklin and I asked my last question for him and said, I have to ask you this because it just happened and we're in the middle of recording. And said, "What? how would you feel about becoming rivals with us because we're about to be leaving Washington, Philly, and New York for at least the season um, mm-hmm. for the Central. And I was bothered by it because, okay, you have, to, you have to divide the divisions up because of travel restrictions. I get it. You have to do that. But, man, it, it's just – The history with with Philadelphia that we have, that history, that the, you know, there have been documentaries on it. The new one we've been doing, we've had with Washington over the years, just the Crosby Ovechkin battle that it has always been since those two joined the league, and the quiet rivalry that really could get restarted this year with the Rangers. I mean, there were the years where, you know, we really hated the Rangers and then we didn't really care. They were just there. And then Yager went over there. Oh, well, we hated the Rangers again <laughs> because they were a good team. They were a good young team with, with Yager, young team with Yager. That makes sense. But they had a young Hendrick Lundqvist in that, that Crosby would always beat. And then we, so we hated them then. And then we kind of didn't care about him again, but now they had the first overall pick this year and the second last year. So they have two phenomenal young players and, at this point of his career, if we're going back to talking about Crosby. The, compa- the comparisons are always made of Crosby playing with these young stars is always a great matchup. Because we've seen it with the McDavid uh, games. And now we see, we're see we seeing it with Crosby's good buddy Nathan McKinnon in those games. The Penguins and Avalanche would never be on national television. Never. But now that Nathan McKinnon has become one of the best players in the league... Oh, and he's like Crosby's best friend? National television. I'm not saying Crosby's got to be best friends with Lafreniere, but they did play for the same team in the queue. So there's the connection there. There's a rivalry. Boom, make it happen. Now we're going to hate the Rangers again in a couple of years. So taking it away from us, it's – I get you have to do it sometimes, but you could have made it a little better. Take Take Carolina. They're already down there. <laughs> Or now. I don't know. Plus, if you're trying to keep it within state too, it's even weirder because now you just cut the state in half and said that's the divisional
1: line. I mean, hey, it's not like there wasn't already a line in the middle of the Pennsylvania state anyway when it comes to hockey. Yeah,
0: when the sheets start turning into wah-wahs, it gets weird.
1: Yeah, there, there's that weird middle area where it, it could go either way. But uh, let me just read off this division before I give my opinions on it. The Central Division would look like this. The Chicago Blackhawks, the Columbus Blue Jackets, the Detroit Red Wings, the Florida Panthers, Nashville Predators, Pittsburgh Penguins, St. Louis Blues, and the Tampa Bay Lightning. Now, we would have the St. Louis Blues, who the Pittsburgh Penguins came into the NHL with. We would have the Tampa Bay Lightning, the defending Stanley Cup champions. We always love Blackhawks-Penguins uh, No, we games. don't. <laughs> hey, I mean, they're, it's interesting. They're national
0: TV games, but we are – we. Ca- We've beaten them, what, once
1: in the last, like, 80 years? And it's funny that I mentioned the St. Louis Blues thing. That is exactly what Guy, the Hawaii Blues fan, uh, one of the fans of the Blue Notes podcast, brought up as I'm pulling up here on our Twitter poll, the at Hawaii Blues fan. He said, it's it's one-off, and it reunites them with a team that they came into the league with, which is the Blues, which... That is a storyline for the NHL. And then, of course, in Sully, we trust on Twitter also said, those are our rivals, so yeah, it would kind of bother me. He is against the idea. Uh, our buddy on the network State of Hoppy said, Minnesota fans got to deal with a 930 puck drop. You'll get by with less rivalry games. Yeah, in that sense of the, the, the word, it's not as hard, and it's not, really, to me, it's not an issue. I don't have an issue with it at all. I, I think it's a one-off, so that's fine, but... Take a look at the rivalry that we've been having lately. Last year, we had the Capitals for the first time on Super Bowl Sunday. That's February. That is four months into the season before we even get to see the Washington Capitals. Look at the Carolina Hurricanes, who are a really good team that have just recently started forming more of a rivalry with the Penguins. We didn't see them until after that happened. We played Carolina once last season before the season stalled out. We played Washington, I think, a grand total of twice last year before the season started out. So it's not like the NHL is giving us these matchups in the first place. And it's not like they're saying, hey, because you're in this division, you're not going to play teams from other divisions. You're just not going to play them as much. So, yeah, I think it's good for for the Penguins. I think it gets them to see a a different class of division here. It does help them when you consider the teams that are in that (laughs) division – because the teams are not as good as yeah. Washington. The Rangers are going to be good. We, you already mentioned they have Lafreniere and they have Kako. And let's not forget Artemi Panarin, yep. who was a heart finalist last year. It gets them, really, they don't play against Philly. And yes, while it does suck, it does annoy me. I'm not going to say that it doesn't annoy me. It does annoy me that they won't be in the same division as their three biggest rivals. But at the same time, it's not that big of an issue. It is one season. We were complaining about the playoff system last year in the 2020 playoffs because it was different. It was weird. Okay. It was a one-off. That's what we were chalking it up to. This is a one-off as well. And if we get hockey back, I'm not going to complain about what division we're playing in. Yeah. We won't see Philly. No, we won't see Washington, but guess what? Whenever that inevitable Washington versus Pittsburgh playoff series comes up, <laughs> nobody complain about, Oh, we don't want to see them. We've seen this, this matchup is overplayed. Well, to everybody that's complaining about them not being in the same division now, I don't want to hear you saying whenever they meet up in the playoffs, because at some point again, it's going to happen. Crosby versus Ovechkin in the playoffs again, whenever that happens, I don't want to hear a word about it being overplayed. No, it's not so much that. I mean, yeah, I get it. You have to do it. And yeah, it is a one-off.
0: It's just an annoying one-off to me. And I get, it's what you have to do. Right. I understand that. But on the surface, like when it first happens, I obviously when something like this first drops. You're not thinking into the future. Like literally next season when everything's back to normal, if you will. But you're thinking about the now and thinking of the, well, they're taking away this matchup, this matchup and you're kind of in a way you could be, you could say you're losing your own um, national recognition because you're taking away those matchups for a year and in a year like this people want to see them. The issue that Arises with me though is the fact that they are splitting the state in half, to to put us in the central. Yeah, it's a wide state, Pennsylvania, but at the same time, what happens if you know Governor Wolf decides to kick in some sort of you know you know what I mean? Because then you're leaving yeah. it up to politics, and we play in a different division. We really can't play in this one now. Mm-hmm. I say you just adjust the Penguins and carolina i believe that's fine because carolina is already a little more southern and closer to the florida teams which Mm -hmm. even if you're worried about travel well the florida teams get screwed every year anyway because they're far away from everyone i don't know it's something to not be mad about but
1: Yeah, I wouldn't take too much into consideration because it was just a leak and it was just a possible way that they're going to be looking at it, not the actual way that they're going to be doing it. And it's also
0: like the fifth leak that we've seen. We know the Canadian division is happening, basically.
1: Yes. At least to start.
0: Yeah. And this is all just to start. I should have... We should have really mentioned that before. Yeah, This is all just to... Well,
1: I wouldn't think that they would switch. You know what? No. If... The divisions. I think Canadian teams playing American teams would yeah. change after a while, but I don't think that they would switch up the way the divisions are built at that point. We
0: also don't know how they're going to announce the schedule. They might. Who knows if they, if if they can. I mean, there's mm-hmm. not. It's not like there's concerts or other sporting events happening in these buildings that they have to schedule around. Um, they might try to do it a month by month. Mm-hmm. That would be interesting. But with either way, it's it'll be very interesting going forward, no matter what the divisions look like, no matter how it plays out. Uh, but for now, in my head, I'm gonna still be a little salty about the divisional lineup. But that's just because I love playing rivals, and I hate losing to the Blackhawks
1: a lot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and that's fair, and I I get what you mean, and it does it would bother me seeing teams like Washington, seeing teams like New York, seeing teams like Philly a lot less. It it would bother me, and that's. I mentioned it last season. I was mad that we didn't play Washington until after the new year. I was mad we didn't play Carolina. I was mad whenever we were finished with the Islanders after two months into the season. We weren't going to see them again until possibly playoffs. And yes, it, it bothers me. But at the same time, I can see the positives in it. One, it would help the Penguins from strength of schedule, especially if you have to play more teams in division at that point. But two, the NHL looks at this in marketing terms, and I think they did a good job with that. In marketing terms, Penguins-Blackhawks is always a marquee matchup. Whether the te- both one of the teams are bad doesn't matter. That's a marquee matchup. Six Stanley Cups since 2009. That is what the NHL wants. Predators-Penguins, whether the Predators are str- struggling or not, whether they're in a rebuild or not, that's a Stanley Cup rematch. They're going to play on that. Blues-Penguins came into the league together in 1967 both Stanley Cup champions in the past five years. They're going to want to play on that. You have Columbus, where there's already a, a pretty decent rivalry between Columbus and Pittsburgh. Detroit versus Pittsburgh, you're playing on the 2008 and 2009 Stanley Cups, So this is something that they saw this from a marketing standpoint and put the Penguins in that division because they can market it much better than they can market the Carolina Hurricanes in that division. Yeah, It doesn't bother me because it's a one-off. That's why it doesn't bother me as much.
0: That's fair, and I get that it's a one-off. It makes sense. Like I said, I'm not gonna be mad about it. I'm not gonna lose sleep over it. Uh, there just might be the, you know, that meme of the the bag of Lay's chips were slightly salted. <laughs> That's just me yes. with it. That's all. I'm just a little salted about it. I'm not yeah. overly worked up. I just had to argue a point of me being upset about it. Mm-hmm. And I I understand it. You got to do what you got to do. My only issue is if state restrictions come into play. Then we
1: kind of have to have that discussion. But it's not like we can shut down borders. You know? That's very true. You can't shut down borders. And also, if they figured out a way to get a bunch of players from the United States to Canada in the heart of the coronavirus pandemic, I think they can figure it out between state to state.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But, yep.
1: It's it's
0: just, I'm lightly salted about it. That's all it is. I'll get over it fairly quickly whenever we uh, don't lose to the Blackhawks this year. (laughs)
1: Well, let's hope so. But that is going to do it for episode 87 of the tip of the iceberg, the season finale of the tip of the iceberg. Horat, before we leave any last words about season one of the show and anything that you're excited for coming up in season two. Uh, I'm excited to talk more than just hockey in
0: season two, I believe because yeah, we're going to be back to two episodes a week, but for a little bit, uh, there won't be much hockey to talk about. And I assume we're going to fill time with, uh, something random bullshit (laughs) that's
1: (laughs) that's what our shout outs and call out segments for so tune in to the season premiere on thursday to hear the first season two shout outs and call out segment
0: yeah and don't get me wrong i do love talking hockey but it's just nice to just Mm -hmm. chat sometimes you know
1: yeah and we'll probably have to get into that especially if no more news continues to not break i guess i don't know what way to say that perfectly if news continues (laughs) to not break that's that's the easiest way to say it i don't know why i said didn't say that before but uh Like I said, all throughout this episode, thank you to everybody that has tuned in over the past season. Thank you to anybody that has engaged with us on social media, whether that be Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Thank you to all of our guests that have joined the show. Thank you to some of our recurring guests like Elena in Texas, Richard as well. And thank you to some of our our other guests like Steve Mears for coming on, Doug Bodger as well. And Horwat, thank you to you for coming on and joining me in 87 episodes of The Tip of the Iceberg. I think 86. I think I did one by myself for New Year's last year. But thank you for coming with me throughout this entire journey of Season 1. I'm excited for Season 2. Season 2
0: is going to be a banger. Uh, Hopefully we have, like I said, hopefully we have more guests coming in. Hopefully we can continue to get entertaining. Hopefully we can continue to make this podcast better. I know you have soundproofing on the way. I just got some beautiful new soundproofing behind me. I don't know how much it's worked. I haven't heard this back yet. Uh, All I know is that if you can still hear my light... I apologize, and you know, since we're doing more video, uh, I'll try. I'll try and keep updating this background as much as I can. <laughs> Merry Christmas, everyone! I yes, you can you can start <laughs> celebrating Christmas, everyone. I give you yeah, permission. Boy, it it I give you permission.
1: Yeah. Alrighty, well that is gonna be it for episode 87. Thank you to everybody that tuned in live on Facebook and on Periscope on Twitter, and we'll see you guys later this week. You can follow us on Twitter at Nick Horwatt 41 and at Nick underscore Berlansky. You can also follow the show's Twitter handle at Iceberg Podcast. This podcast can be found anywhere you get your podcast from. So please subscribe and rate us on Apple Podcasts. We are brought to you by the Hockey Podcast Network. You can visit them on Twitter at HockeyPodNet or at the HockeyPodcastNetwork.com. Every team, everywhere.